You're listening to OWC Radio number 53. New Macs, new iPads, new upgrades. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of OWC Radio. This is episode number 53. I'll be your host for this week, OWC Grant, and around the table we have... OWC Mike H. And OWC Michael. Cool. Well, let's get right to it. Um, Happy Fat Tuesday to you, although this probably will be heard, what, maybe tomorrow, the next day, whatever. So it's uh, Tuesday here, uh, March the 8th, and we have Punchkis. So if you don't know what that is, you can look that up. Right to the news, Apple in the news, new MacBook Pros. Holy cow, these were fast. 30% faster uh, on the 15s and 17s across the board. Well, and that's Um, just straight from the factory. We're not even talking about your benchmark testing. Oh, absolutely not. The 13s were about 20% faster um, as factory stock than uh, the last generations. Unprocessor-based tests, though, right? Correct, correct. The, the 3D card was indeed removed, as we mentioned in the previous podcast. Yes, it was, and uh, at least on the 13-inch. And what that hit? 15s and 17s have awesome graphics. So now that begs the debate, what's worth the 13? Is that now a MacBook Pro still, or do we consider it more of a MacBook? Well, by name, it's a MacBook Pro, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's missing out on a couple of the Pro features, uh, such as graphics. Yeah, I mean, going back and... Right now, Apple decided to go with Intel's integrated graphics card and no longer has a dedicated graphics card in the 13. And that means the 13 is slower for anything 3D-related. A lot of people would say, oh, well, just games are slower. But actually, 3D OpenGL technologies integrate into everything OS X, whether you're going around the file system or zooming in and out with spaces or expose, all that's rendered with uh, 3D graphics. So... For 3D graphics to be slower on a new machine than the previous gen, that is significant. Intel will probably be faster in the future, but for now, it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs to slow down the 13-inch when that was the big uh, the big steal, big cheese as far as the best deal you could get for a MacBook Pro. And now it's kind of like, eh, just get the 15 because you actually get the card in there too. Well, you know, the thing that caught my eye, or ears I should say, is, is that uh, and I didn't do the, the numbers, so hopefully one of you guys know this, but you were saying 30 to 40% faster. Obviously, there wasn't a 30 to 40% price bump. So um, this really is actually a, a good computing value when it comes down to it compared to last year's models. Uh, it's it's just the uh, bump to the uh, Sandy Bridge chipset is actually making that uh, that more efficient and, and faster, just doing regular processes on the, on the machine. Yeah, there's i-chips now and everything, i5s, i7s. There's no dual-core chips anymore in the MacBook Pro line. All right, well, you covered the big news about the speed increase on graphics but the other one and one we've seen in our blog (laughs) before i say thunderbolt i'll just say no uh, we don't have thunderbolt right now no one has thunderbolt right now but we'll be working on it you can bet your uh last upgrade dollar that mac sales will have a uh thunderbolt enabled or equipped external drive in the future but what's your take what's your guys takes on thunderbolt well thunderbolt's uh actually very interesting i've been waiting for it's Actually, it was always known as Intel's Light Peak. I'm not a big fan of the Thunderbolt name. I thought Firewire is a way better name. But, but you don't like the logo either. Nah, a little <laughs> bolt. A little, like, a little bit like well, I like the logo because it looks like Flash. You know, the Flash's logo, so I don't mind the, that bolt look at all anyways. Naming aside, I think it's just a really early announcement. It's only coming out in the MacBook Pros. There's nothing really available for it. And Apple's little ecosystem of passing through the monitor, it's kind of weird. None of the monitors you'd have would have Thunderbolt uh, connectivity through the mini display port. Um, it's kind of like a wait and see. It's nice to have. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dump anything I have to go get something that's Thunderbolt equipped right now. It's really fast, of course, but then uh, you're going to hit the bottleneck of the actual... It goes faster than the actual drives that are in it. Well, you know, this... <laughs> This announcement kind of took me, I mean, I think everyone expected that they were going to do this. Um, the name was kind of surprising, though. I think some people were still thinking Light Peak, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I thought was a cool name. Yeah, I, I did too, actually. It just mm-hmm. sounds cool because Speed of Light, you know, whereas Thunderbolt, yeah. it's like, well, okay. I understood why they couldn't call it Light Peak because now they switched over to copper. Yeah. Instead of actually, it was optical, fiber, right. fiber based. So. Well, but the thing that kind of surprised me about Thunderbolt was. Generally speaking, and, and Mike uh, H here, you're a little bit, well, and Mike P too, you, you both probably have uh, a better g- 
grasp of Apple history. I, I'm only from the Apple II days. I forget some of the stuff in the middle there. <laughs> but, it's a big middle. It's a gaping <laughs> hole in yeah, Apple yeah, history. Yeah, I know. Um, They're not beige anymore? Has, has <laughs> Apple done this in the past where they've introduced a new standard and yet there's no ecosystem to support it? Firewire. Really? USB, they were the first out the gate on it. The iMac was okay. one of the first with it. They were the first to ditch the flop. I mean, but this is no longer really ditching something. You still get your FireWire 800, still get your USB. Um, it, it just, just gives uh, developers a, a, a chance, chance to, yeah. Well, yeah, to shine. Yeah. I mean, and, I guess that's Apple's what it is. But that. I think they're trying to establish, this is kind of like the first time they're trying to establish it and really don't have a need for it yet. I mean, people always have a need for the fastest possible drive storage, you know, external base and all that. And the possibilities of Lightpeak are tremendous. It's just, it's not going to be huge this year, probably be huge later. I think Apple's also trying to circumvent the USB 3. So they had yeah. to fire a volley over the Yeah, they had to say, this is coming, yeah, this yeah. is better, here's why. It actually exists. It's no longer vaporware, huh. just to kind of get it out there. It is interesting. It's nice to have the feature. Um, from a personal perspective, every time I buy something, I always go, well, do I need it? What's it giving me when I when I get it? And for now, with everything... I'm happy with, extremely happy with FireWire 800. I can actually work off FireWire 800 for printer web jobs. I'm good. I have my internal SATA drives. I don't really need anything faster. Yeah, but then my the computer keeps thing, up with me. Yeah. But then the second thing you've got to think about is how long is this going to last me? And right. having that Thunderbolt port, you're you're ready for the future. Future proofed. Well, it's future proven to a certain degree. I mean, I usually keep my stuff a really long time, so getting a Thunderbolt connection option now doesn't really matter for me. Maybe in five years when I'm buying another MacBook Pro or uh, and then eventually we'll end up with a Thunderbolt-based drive. But for now, my FireWire 800s are fast enough. I don't plan on ever replacing them unless they break. Well, and for the listeners, Mike, I mean, you're our graphics manager, so I mean, you're dealing with significantly large files. It's not like, okay, this is just a typical user. I mean, you're a working professional, mm-hmm. so... What you're saying is, is Fire 800 for the needs of OWC, um, web, print, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, is, is sufficiently handled by FireWire 800 at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. As okay. far as moving files around, working on them, yeah. I'll mainly work on a lot of my files local, but then if I have them on the external, I'll just work off them there, too. So. Okay. But I always ask, what, what's, what's it getting for you? Are you getting any more speed out of it? If you're getting more speed, how much? If it's just a little bit? You know, maybe in the future when things take more advantage of that type of data bandwidth, but now we have HD video. We have a lot of stuff taking advantage of that HD, uh, that higher bandwidth and moving files around. So I just don't really have to have Thunderbolt right now. Maybe in the future I will. Okay. Well, rounding up this, uh, aspect or segment of, uh, the show with new Mac pros is, uh, Mike P here, OWC Mike P is our benchmarking expert and he, uh, put the new machines through a, bevy of tests, including new uh, our SSDs and uh, RAM. So uh, what can you tell us about that, Mike? Oh, good question, Grant. Actually, with uh, all of our upgrades, the memory and the SSD, I almost feel like a broken record here. Uh, just with like with the uh, last set of machines, uh, we're seeing uh, massive increases in speed. Um, if, if you go from the, the stock four gigs of memory up to, um, say, the full eight gigs, um, you're getting about a 25% increase in speed in our uh, Adobe uh, Action tests. And the, the SSD um, speeds these machines up by about 50% when running the same uh, Adobe Action tests. Wow. Uh, and then when, when you're putting them both together, it's about two and a half to, to almost three times faster of a machine going from the stock machine uh, that Apple provides, and that's and that's thirty percent faster already from last year's models. So and that's on top of the thirty wow. percent faster than last year's models with with eight gigs of memory and and an SSD in these as as your boot drive. These machines just scream. Given an example with the fifteen uh, inch uh, two point three gigahertz uh, Core i seven machine, the the big bad boy, the medium Photoshop action test that I run, which basically takes a uh, graphic designer's average workload and and runs it all at once with the fifty four hundred RPM drive that it comes with and four gigs of memory that ran in seven hundred and fourteen seconds with the SSD and the memory, it dropped it to 266 seconds. Wow. Well, I guess that it kind of just proves the theory then that what you know we generally recommend to people is is that buy the base unit 
and then upgrade with us. Don't don't get the memory upgrade or the SSD at the factory. Get it from us, and you can achieve those results as well. Absolutely. And save a ton of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the big thing, too. All right, so we've done uh, the new MacBook Pros, the other big announcement. Jeez, what, what, they just... We're late to MacBook Pros, though. There's something really hot on the blog right now. It's oh. getting a ton of traffic, and that's RAM-related, too. Well, it was because it was new. I was thinking new, new, right, new. Brand so, new, but yeah. this is brand new for a lot of people with old MacBook Pros. That's they're not true. necessarily old. They're very usable. Uh, that's definite true. reason on uh, you know why we uh, suggest sometimes not going with the upgrade. To, uh, take what you got and make it lo- last as long as you can. Yeah, it's, um, boy, glad you brought this up. It, the blog, our blog, has really been exploding. It's uh, httpblog.macsales.com. We found a uh, secret firmware update that Apple did for the late 2008 MacBooks uh, and MacBook Pros. They can now use 8 gigabyte. Previously, we only felt that it could use 6 in our testing, and if you went past 6 with any kind of memory-intensive load, the system slowed down significantly. I mean, it was... Or it, certain apps would start crashing yeah. on you or something odd like that. Yeah, so um, it's the 5,1 models, uh, uh, model IDs, I should say. Um, and it really comes down to whether or not you have the most current EFI update as well as running 10.6.6. I know I'm kind of simplifying a little bit. If you want the full... Uh, history as well as uh, what to check, as well as looking at the, wow, lots of comments on this because it's, it's just drawn in people from everywhere. I suggest you check that blog post out. All right. Now that we've covered MacBook and MacBook Pro sufficiently, iPad 2 announcement and Mr. Jobs himself uh, does his Lazarus impersonation <laughs> and walks across the stage. So... Uh, what's, uh, what's your guys' thoughts on, uh, the iPad 2? Well, really, it was like the first time Apple didn't need to do anything. And they did, they rolled out new, faster processors, a whole new, uh, whole new form factor, which I'll get into later. There's some thing, issues with that I see. Uh, and, uh, the coveted cameras for people who use them, awesome. For me, I don't use them on my iPhone much, much less anything else. Um, I'll use the HD for, a, as an HD camcorder, but I'm, Sure as heck wouldn't use an iPad for an HD camcorder. It's a little big to go around holding and holding and say, I'm videotaping something. Or, <laughs> or I'm just recording something because there's no tape in there, of course. You but, can use it like a shield, too. Yeah. See? What? But uh, the A5 processor is really nice. You get twice the speed. And uh, you also get like 9x the graphics performance, which is nuts. You can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be people making apps to take advantage of that graphics performance, especially for games. Uh, the processor, again... I felt it wasn't needed. The, no one really screams about the iPad, the first or first original iPad being slow. I never do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm never going, wow, I wish this was faster. It just does everything fine. So, so you're kind of surprised by this then? Because, I mean, as, as well, I saw it coming, but it's I just mean, regular matter. listeners would know. I mean, you're, you're a big iPad proponent. Yeah. Uh, uh, they just didn't need to do it, but I think they did it for one reason. And that way, the everybody else making a tablet out there can't go, well, I have a dual core processor. Mm. Well, well, I have this. So they just, Said, you know what? We're not going to give anybody a reason to a buy more something marketing else. Marketing here, then, than yeah, perhaps I think, need. I think it's more marketing and more to establish that don't mess with us. We have the better specs. Your specs can't beat ours. Oh, and by the way, your ent- price of entry is the cost of our highest end model. Mm. You know, the Motorola Zoom comes in at seven ninety nine. Huh? It's, it's just there's a whole other iPad set below that that's like four ninety nine for an iPad. And now is a really good time if you want an original iPad. You can get an iPad. Uh, 16 gig refurbished at Apple for only 349. I'd, if I were considering buying one 32 gig new one, I'd have to really consider for a family. Do I just get two 16 gig iPads of the original size for the same price? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I've turned people onto that, and they're yeah. like, "Whoa!" I mean, it's yeah. just like, okay, you know, because they don't have an iPad yet, so right. they're like, "Well, I'm just going to dive in." I mean, at three, you know, yeah, three three fifty. I mean, you know, not to say that that's chump change. I mean, it's still a lot it's of money to me, unit, but. but you know, yeah, it's, it's a great entry-level price to say, okay, you know, let me get my feet immersed in this, and, you know, then yeah. I can move from there. And I'd say it's such a really good price. If you're considering getting one, get one before they're gone. Yeah. Because you probably got a month or so before they're going to really dry up. All right, cool. Well, well you know, you're going to be able to get the, everybody who's upgrading to the uh, iPad 2, and those will be on eBay and... Mm-hmm. And whatnot, you'll still be able to get. In touch you'll be able to get them, but refurb from Apple means like new. Everything we I bought from Apple refurbished is 
looks just the same as a new product. There's nothing in there. It's dinged up or scratched. You're not buying used. You know. Shh, don't tell them our secret. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I get my special deals. I don't want a mass of people knowing where the best deal on Apple stuff is at. It's so yeah. And then when you get your iPad original, you come by us and buy a bunch of iPad uh, original uh, cases, covers, and protectors we have for you. We got great ones that are like only six ninety nine on up. Right, right. And we got screen protectors only that were five bucks. So don't pay thirty in the store for any of that stuff. Come to us; we still have them, and you can get them. Yeah, you know that. That um, I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a comment on Reseller Ratings this morning. Um, that's a site that people rank us on, and we've got, we're an elite member on there because of all the things that we do right and that we're focused on. But um, a person was saying that they had just done their first upgrade and they had Max for many years and they didn't realize how easy it was. And you know, I, I got to underscore that sentiment there, Mike, is that if any listeners are listening and, you know, you kind of follow the industry and you like, you know, being around the industry, but you just haven't ever opened up a machine, don't sweat it. It's it's just take your time, breathe deeply. It's not heart surgery. It's it's really rather simple, especially if you watch one of our videos. So um, sorry for the, the shameless plug there, but it's it's something that we really believe in here, and that's why we devote resources to it, to help you save time and money and get better performance all you know it's like a trifecta so right and then uh going back to the uh to the actual form factor i think uh this is where apple's getting it 100 percent wrong mm. um the previous ipad was built like a tank the original ipad i mean it has a really thick edge it's got a rubber surround around the glass it's got a straight aluminum side the round back i'd like to see i would have liked to see that straight but i'd like to have seen them keep the current form factor uh, it just seems more rugged. The new one, they took rid of, they got rid of the rubber surround. They made it look better, but the glass is really up against the aluminum at the edge, and the aluminum at the edge is a lot thinner. So, I mean, You're are you thinking gonna, more cracks? More cracks or more hairline cracks, uh. like you saw with the original iPhone 3G over the original iPhone. So, you know, this is a big object. It's thinner. I don't necessarily need thinner. I just want it flatter. And you gave me thinner, which that's great. I mean, I haven't held one in my hands yet. I'm sure it feels a lot different. It feels really cool. But uh, the other thing, though, too, is with how um, ubiquitous these iPads will become as far as an education and everywhere else, uh, Apple really needs to think twice about really changing the form factor so that way your your protection investments, such as cases and everything else, and even the covers, can be continually used. Now, now if they stop with this set, and then they continue on, kind of like how Porsche does. They only make minor modifications to the 911. Your 911 could be 15 years old, and it still looks timeless. You don't want it, you don't want to do you want all your stuff to you don't want it very apparent old versus new. So it's just going to give more longer life to the iPad. But that's enough about me just talking about the uh, form factor alone. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Front and rear uh, facing camera, I think, was a definite uh, so addition you would, to you it. You would use that for the for FaceTime, absolutely. All right, because I, I mean, I'm I think I'm a little different. I don't use any video chat at all. I can see a lot of people. I see the paranoia people around here. Sometimes they block their little webcam so no one's looking. <laughs> so I can see a lot of iPads walking around, a little bit of electrical tape right where the camera's at in the front, because you're always connected to the internet on those things. But you know, um, my my take, yeah, I knew the camera was going to be a big deal because that's what everyone's been yelling about for it. Um, and I suppose for um, the mobile tech or the mobile uh, gadget person, um, that makes sense. My problem is is that I live too much in the moment, so rather than taking a picture of it, I'm enjoying the moment rather right. than taking a picture to enjoy the moment later. Yeah, so, uh, yeah I try to balance mine that yeah, way, too. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm not being Mr. Photographer today. Yes. I'm going to be part of the birthday yes. today. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, so it's like, I, it, and yeah, I mean, I understand there's needs for things like that, but... Um, you know, um, I, I think you hit it on the head right, though, is, is that they need to stay out in front. Mm. And by doing this, um, you know, they keep a leadership position. Um, Apple's always known as an innovator and kind of a market leader. And uh, Well, they've usually never done this. I mean, even if you think about, like, the MacBook Pros, there were cheaper PCs available with i5 chips for a long time, and they just waited till everything was right for them to do it. Like, no, we're we're still on Core 2 Duo on our laptops, and everybody else was doing i5 chips or whatever, so... I mean, they were a little sluggish that, so on the iPad, I really think they're really... It's the first time they've had competition wag them a little bit. Yeah. Usually they don't care. Yeah. But they didn't, and they didn't need to. They could have sold the original iPad all the way up through September. What was shocking was that Apple dumped 
the supply chain just like a week and a half before the event. So you knew that the iPad was going to be available real soon after the announcement versus last year. It was announced and then it came out three months later. So. Well, another uh, addition to the uh, the design on that was the, the magnets that they're adding to the edge of it to go with the uh, smart cover, mm-hmm. which that that thing just looks awesome. It's something to actually keep your, your machine clean while it's uh, being stored. I think it's convenient, but the worst thing about it for me is hinges. Hinges are just evil. <laughs> you don't want hinges sticking out the side of your iPad, man. I'm sorry, that's going to connect. Every, that's going to hook everything. I don't care how stern those magnets are. If I'm walking along and all of a sudden I hook something with a, with a thing, I got to worry about either the smart cover flying off and flinging or taking the iPad with it if the magnets are too strong. You know, I think, I think it's an interesting design. Would I buy it with it? The hinges tell me no. But they don't have anything else. If they don't have anything else out, yeah, I'm going to end up paying 40 bucks and getting charged too much for it. But eh. it doesn't protect the back, doesn't protect the front. You know, Jobs is big. Like, well, we we bought, made the original iPad and we bought, we made this case and it covered everything up. It's like, yeah, but that's why my original iPad still looks like it's brand new. So this thing's not going to protect the back, and this thing's thinner. So there's a flexing issue with that too. If you accidentally have pressure in the middle and it's leaned up against something, is it going to bend? The other big news about the iPad, and again, going back to give a little bit of credit to our blog, is we did a uh, post on uh, the service plans, Verizon versus AT&T models, and that has gotten a heck of a lot of attention, too. Really, it comes down to there There really wasn't much of a difference to it other than... Um, well, Mike, I'm going to leave that to you. I mean, well, actually, there was because uh, the 3G is different and the network coverage is a little bit different. Um, right off the bat, there's there's a lot of uh, decent base questions. People didn't totally understand that you have to decide before you buy which service carrier you want. Do you want AT&T or Verizon? You can't switch. So if you buy an AT&T 3G iPad, you're stuck with AT&T. You, you cannot go to Verizon and vice versa. You can't go from Verizon to AT&T. So you really want to make sure that where you travel, where you work, where you live, those networks actually do have decent coverage for you. I mean, there's been a lot of brouhaha about AT&T's garbage, but AT&T is actually really good in a lot of places. It just might not be good in your location or someone else's location. Okay, but it is. They, they are both 30-day plans, right? You can pay as you go. So that, you get the at least you're not you tied in for a two-year contract anymore. Right, but there is some ambiguity right now. It's hard to find out if Verizon's going to let you just sign up and sign off and sign up and sign off, which is how currently the iPad 3G with AT&T is. You, just, you, hit, you, you want two gig of data, you hit now. You have it for 30 days or 2 gig, whichever comes first. When you run out, you reset. Uh, AT&T for a while did have overage costs too, but now it's a little more ambiguous where AT&T is saying, forget the overage costs, just reset. If you use your 2 gig in a week, just buy another 2 gig and then we'll reset your 30 days and just another plan for 25 bucks, which actually is more economical. Um, now, if you end up using... One of the tricks is if, if they both work in your area... And you don't care, they're both reliable in your area, then it's like, well, which one do I go with? Then it comes down to money. If you end up being a four gig a month user, Verizon was cheaper because you'd actually get five gig for about $55, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. 50 plus $10 per right. gigabyte over usage. Right, so $50 for five gig with Verizon, and you would pay uh, $50 for only four gig from AT&T. How's that going on? 50? 50. 50. No, uh, 50. But uh, with AT&T, if you were to use, they don't have a 4 gig a month plan. They have a 2 gig a month plan for 25 but if you just reset midway through the month, you get 4 gig for 25 bucks. So you get a gig extra with Verizon for 50 bucks a month if you're using 4 gig a month. The, the, the problem with the 3G for me has always been, though, that the iPad really begs you to use a lot of data. There, it's just if you watch a Netflix movie over it, you've already used one fourth of your bandwidth in one movie that you have for the month. So the smartest thing I would see is that you would have Wi-Fi at home or in a general location where you're at most of the time. Then you're using the 3G to supplement when you're mobile, because I mean you really don't want to underestimate what happens when you're no longer tethered just to your Wi-Fi connection. You no longer you you can actually go on the internet when you're out there, and that's what that's what the iPhone brought with it, though the internet in your pocket, that whole marketing thing. But it actually is true. You know, it's real convenient. Oh, I can look this up while I'm at I'm here or I'm over here. I can look this up and find out if it's the right price or 
you know, or get a map somewhere to find out where the next Chinese restaurant is or something. But um, if you're talking about the networks, though, if you do really want an iPad 3G, if you're a world traveler, that 3G on AT&T, the GSM network, is really at a lot, in a lot of countries where CDMA from Verizon is not. It just isn't. Also, if you were to bet on networks, uh, CDMA is kind of at the end of its rope as far as how much faster it can go before stepping up to 4G. And then AT&T is actually improving their 3G network. It has room to grow. So Verizon's 4G speeds will be around 4 to 12 meg. AT&T is estimating that they can still get their 3G network to go up to 8 meg. I mean, I don't care if you're calling it 4G or 3G. If both can deliver 8 meg and give you the connection that speed, the longer-term bet would be on AT&T's uh, 3G network versus Verizon's. Um, the iPad 3G will not be 4G compatible at all. You'll have to buy a whole other iPad. So, and whenever that happens, too, because 3G or 4G right now is really only rolled out in like what 38 cities. It's kind of like when 3G first came out; it was only in the major metropolitan areas and a few other cities. So you're not going to give it in a lot of locations. Another option you have is iPhone tethering. If you already have an iPhone with you. You could pay the $20 extra a month if you already have the $25 plan. So you'd pay $45 a month. They'll give you two gig uh, extra for your for your data. So for $45, you get a total of four gig data. Right. And you can just tether, make your iPhone Wi-Fi, okay. a Wi-Fi hotspot in the next OS upgrade, which will be coming out this Friday. So the next iOS will allow I that to happen. Wait for that update. And that's the <laughs> the next segue is iOS 4.3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that, the big thing on the uh, the uh, iPhone tethering for your iPad, it's a Wi-Fi hotspot, so you're not just stuck to your iPad. You could use it for your laptop on the go. It's a Wi-Fi hotspot. It does lower battery life. Anybody on an Android phone or anybody who's jailbroken an iPhone with a Wi-Fi hotspot knows that that battery life tanks a bit. It can cut it in half. Wow. Yeah, it uses a lot of power to work, but you have that option, and I think that with the battery life on both the iPad and the iPhone, I think that's a really good tandem. If you have full batteries, you can go out and you don't have to really worry about it. Now, tethering is a little bit different, though. You're not going to get the iPad on and off. Oh, I need it this month. I don't need it next month. So jockeying back and forth of activating tethering and not activating tethering, I mean, you have to talk with AT&T and Verizon and see what they're going to let you get away with there without activation fees or something. But longer term, it seems for me the iPhone tethering would be an option. But it's definitely less convenient because now you're manipulating two items to have an right. internet connection. So uh, t- to each their own, everybody should know kind of what they want, what they need, what their needs are. You know, I recommend the Wi-Fi iPad all the time, but if you really are into the 3G, you got some options there. And check out our blog at uh, blog.maxdells.com and look for the uh, iPad uh, 2 3G article, AT&T versus Verizon. There's a lot of uh, customer comments in there, and I've actually commented back with them, give them a little bit more information, and uh, find out what works best for you. Speaking of going with a Wi-Fi-only uh, iPad, that, that's one of the things I'm looking really forward to this iOS update for, and that's the iTunes home sharing. Um, being able to take the music and videos and everything that you have on your main computer and share it right over your network with the iPod without your iPod or iPad without having to sync. Yeah, and it's actually really cool because I just I picked up an Apple TV over the weekend because I was originally going to get um an Airport Express just to have audio in my living room. I already have audio in my home theater. I'm like, well, for eight bucks less is only a hundred bucks instead of a hundred and eight um, for the Apple TV. The Apple TV was only a hundred. Um, I was able to you do that uses the home sharing feature in iTunes to connect seamlessly, and it works really fast. It's it's just really nice to be able to have that capability to have what's on your Big Mac or your laptop or your main computer just mobile throughout the house, whether you're watching on an iPhone, iPad, or even the Apple TV on a, on a on a bigger screen. It just works really nicely. Yeah, and at least for a Wi-Fi network, it it really makes those those 16 gig uh, units really viable. Oh yeah, um, yeah, they're like a little TV walking around. Exactly. Your yeah, you don't need to have the massive storage in it, which has uh, always been one of my drawbacks to to the iPad. Is mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're limited in the amount that you can carry around. And the same thing with an iPod. Yeah, 16 limited. gig would be limiting if each movie you have is around 600 meg or even a gig a movie. You can carry 16 movies with you. Yeah, that's out of space. That's 32 hours worth of movies, but it's it's it could add up. 
So yeah, that, that's really cool. The home sharing feature though. Yeah. Just taking it around with you, doing whatever. They are like little mini TVs hanging out with you. And that, that was a big pan on the uh, original Apple TV. When the new Apple TV came out, like, well, it has no storage. And I, after having this one, I'm thankful it does. I don't want it to sink. I don't want to have to worry about the drive capacity that's in, you know, the Apple TV. It's just this little device with an A5 processor and some networking options. And I just press around and click and, you know, there's a little bit of connect, you know, connect when you hit the photos, or whatever, connecting and then it's playing and you fast forward your movies or whatever, home videos or anything you've ripped. Even Netflix was surprisingly speedy. Very cool. Okay, well, within uh, the new iOS 4.3, there's uh, some apps that have kind of captivated our uh, attention, and uh, GarageBand, FaceTime, iMovie, and Photo Booth. So tell me about and tell our listeners about what, uh, you know, why you're excited about those. Well, these are really shown off at the iPad 2 announcement. Um, really, iMovie's only for iPad 2. FaceTime has been out for uh, iPhone 4 for since iPhone 4 came out. GarageBand looked really uh, killer. That's going to work on the original iPad. Um, I don't know if it's going to work on iPhone. It just seems a little too small of an interface to be able to work with that. And, uh, well, FaceTime and Photo Booth, and heck, even iMovie, if you want to kind of get a hint of how everything works, I mean, you could all use, you could use what's on your Mac now and get a preview of what it's like. It's going to be a lighter version of it on iPad, except uh, now you can actually physically touch objects or take it on the go a little bit more convenient. Um, the, the problem with, uh, iMovie that will only work on iPad too. Um, a lot of developers are going to have to actually take, uh, notice on this that, uh, yeah, you can limit your app to only work on iPad too, but you're essentially throwing out the first 16 to 18 million customers that have an <laughs> iPad. And usually developers don't want to do that. They want to play least common denominator. Cause it happened when the new iOS came out, when iOS 4 originally came out. It left behind the original iPhone and uh, the first and second gen of iPod touches, and that was a lot of people to say, no, nah, it doesn't work here. So if you make an app that only works that way, you're cutting out a lot of people. So I think for a long time, at least a year or two, you're going to see a lot of people make apps that will generally work on all of them. Games, uh, people who make games are smart anyway. They know they can say, hey, if you have a faster PC or a faster Mac, you can use more graphics capabilities. They'll just either downgrade the graphics for whatever system you're on or allow you to change the settings so you can choose whether you want it to be a little jerky with higher end graphics or whatever. I think they're going to opt for automate, automated uh, downshifting of the graphics, so mm. to speak. Okay. So it's just kind of an interesting take out there. You're going to run into apps that are like, no, I only work on iPad 2. I don't see a ton of them out there. You probably have like 100 or so. But just because people want to, if they're selling the app, they want it to really, they want to be able to make money on it. If it's a free app, I think that'll be more iPad 2 only sure. to show the graphics off or whatever. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a uh, OWC Radio podcast if there wasn't a juicy rumor to discuss. And uh, this installment is, is there an iPhone Nano in the works? Uh, that's always been rumored. Well, yeah, but with everything <laughs> that's going on right now, you'd think that now is as good a time as any for Apple to do this, or it might be for their Christmas push since they came out with I, the iPad 2 right now. Yeah, so the idea on this is to take uh, take the storage away and just have everything stream from the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, no, if, if you're not connected to the internet or you're in a spot that the internet's bad, you still want to be able to make emails, and then they'll just send out next time you have an internet connection. All right, I'll, I'll go on on record as making this prediction. I haven't I haven't heard this one uh, yet, but I'm I'm thinking we're going to actually get uh, Penny's watch from Inspector Gadget com- uh, cartoons. <laughs> To stream everything, right? It, it's all going to be right there, and, and you'll be able to talk to your dog afterward, kind of like up. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> squirrel. So, so what you're what, you, what you're both saying is, is that I'm Doug. <laughs> what you're both saying is is that um, not at this time, not, well, not not ready for prime time player. I'll be so bold with streaming to say not ever, because. Wow. AT&T and Verizon, I pulled this up in the blog last, I think I made this blog comment last year sometime when AT&T decided to finally do away with unlimited plans because the telecoms have always wanted to go away with the unlimited plans since they existed. They want to make money per gig. If you stream everything, how much is your data connection going to be? Two gig a month for 25 bucks? You're going to have a 10, 20 gig data connection just on your iPhone. So, that 
when they switched to a pay for X amount of data usage, they killed anything about the cloud or anything about unlimited internet that makes that happen. So cloud storage, no. You're gonna, even, even your supposedly unlimited internet connections at home have an 80 to 120 gig cap on them before they start telling you, upgrade your plan or go away. We don't want your business because you're a high end user and you're, you're going, you're, you're, ble- you're bleeding bandwidth from us for a cost we weren't willing to pay. Because it's costing them money to serve you, so someone's got to pay for that bandwidth. So I just don't see it happening. Okay, but as far as a real tiny little iPhone, I can see that happening as long as they can get the. Uh, I mean, if you check out how small our our uh, MacBook Air 2010 SSD upgrade is, that thing is really tiny. I just don't know how small the the inside of the iPhone is when you get the little memory in there. I imagine it's just as tiny though too. So it's a matter of. Form factors, can they make it narrower, smaller, just less memory? I don't really see people asking for the iPhone to be smaller, though. No. I don't. They ask for it to be cheaper, but you can get an iPhone 3GS from AT&T for 50 bucks. Right. That's almost free. Right. Well, I could actually see it getting smaller, because really all you need to do is be able to dial on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the current uh, the iPod Nano form factor would work just fine for a phone that came with a Bluetooth headset. I mean, the entire reason that a phone is as large as the iPhone actually is is because you have to be able to speak on one end and listen on the other. Yeah, and Mike's... Like a, an old-time phone handset. Mike's holding up his iPhone 4 here, just showing the dial pad. I mean, I've, I've, I've played with that, uh, the iPod Nano, and wow, that Tiny. is such a small screen. And kids, I think... As a kid's first phone, maybe, and this is a market that maybe Apple should go after. As a kid's first phone, where it's a, it's a low, uh, low monthly cost, yeah. and it's like, because I mean, my kids are asking me for cell phones. I'm like, not on your, you know, <laughs> not on your grave right now at nine and eleven. But for something like this, then I wouldn't be as opposed to it because it would be limited in functionality, limited in use, and then limited in costs. Because if if all it really comes down to is storing some numbers, it well, there'd have to be some memory in there for that, but. Uh, but majority really just phone and maybe, uh, you know, listening to music. At that point, I'd have to say, what's the point then? Just get a regular flip phone. Yeah, true, I guess. I, mean, I, I figure if, if by now, if there was a market for a smaller iPhone, it would have existed already. They, I mean, at the way Apple studies user interaction design and, you know, heuristics overall, it's just... It doesn't make sense. But a smaller iPhone would be magical, and we weren't aware <laughs> of the magic yet. Revolutionary. What would you pay for this said small iPhone? Would you pay the same price as a full phone, full-fledged iPhone? No. But you pay more for a MacBook Air than you would a 13-inch MacBook Pro. That's because of the miniaturization <laughs> going on in there. So I just people, I'd see people going small and limited. Full blown, same price. Full blown, fits in my pocket and fine. It's not an Android tablet phone, which those things are just gigantic. Maybe my my Android screen's six inches. It's like, is it really a phone at that point? <laughs> it's more of a tablet wannabe. All right. Well, we were talking about new with Apple, so let's uh, talk about what's new with OWC. Woohoo! Big news, and again, uh, boy, the blog is a recurring theme here. But uh, we've been inundated with questions on the blog as to. Does all of our other upgrades now work with the new MacBook Pros? And the first up is Data Doubler. So I'll let one of you guys tell uh, the listeners what Data Doubler is and how it works. Uh, Data Doubler uh, takes your optical, you know, it allows you to replace your optical drive in your your MacBook or MacBook Pro with a two and a half inch hard drive or solid state drive. And yes, the Data Doubler does fit in the new. The new MacBook Pros works like a charm and is absolutely wonderful uh, to have a SSD as your main boot drive. And then if you're you're concerned on costs and size, you know, go with a, a 720 gig uh, hard drive for storage also in the machine. Yeah, in fact, um, we sent a news release out on that. And basically, I think it's uh, 133% more capacity than available at the factory. You can have... 1.75 terabytes of total internal uh, data storage and backup in your MacBook Pro by using the data doubler. Heck, just in a laptop, that's a feat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a feat unto itself, and it's really up to you as the, as the customer to decide, well, where, which bay do I put the SSD in or which bay do I put the hard drive in? 
on mine, um, I put the SSD in the optical bay because I knew I would want to get to it and change it out less. So the OWC SSDs stay in there for a long time, and I'll probably want to replace out that hard drive in the normal hard drive bay. Well, that was a and smart move, too, because um, the data doubler and the optical bay is limited to a 9.5-millimeter drive. So right now they're up to 750 gig, whereas you can get a 1-terabyte uh, uh, hard drive and put that in your normal dr- uh, hard drive bay. That takes up to the 12.5-millimeter right. drive. So. That's the smart move if anyone's looking to do wow. that. Is... I was going to jump in and say that was the smart move for a completely different reason. Huh. Optical drive is actually at uh, SATA 3.0 speeds, which is what our current SSDs uh, are at. And then the secondary, or the, the uh, drive hard drive bay, bay is at uh, SATA 6G speeds. Really not a lot of hard drives <laughs> out there take advantage of that speed yet. They're coming. And when they do, uh, you'll have to pick accordingly. And also... Um, Using two drives in your laptop will allow you to raid those drives together as well if, if you want to fact, do those options. Um, we've got some uh, third-party external tests coming on that as well as uh, we're doing an internal test uh, showing the data doubler in a raid array. So uh, stay tuned to the podcast and the blog, and uh, we'll be bringing you all those performance uh, benchmarks soon. Yeah, because the implications of that, you could raid hard drives, get speed out of there, you yep. could raid two SSDs, yep. and get blistering speed out yep. of there. Yep. You know, it's just it's crazy what you can get. It's pretty much up to you. Yeah, I mean, actually, where it'll it'll overachieve what the the internal bus is. I mm-hmm. mean, it'll be faster than what you can your machine can actually even handle. So. Yeah. So how fast do you want to go? We'll get you there. Yep. Um, our RAM is compatible then for uh, all 100%. the new MacBook Pros. One hundred percent. Cool. Yep. You are the benchmarking it, guru. So yep, it isn't uses it the, the old exact uh, same uh, memory as uh, the last uh, generation of iMacs? Yeah, so. the iMac twenty ten. Mm-hmm. So cool. Um, I think we touched on this a little bit, but uh, the SSD and maxing the RAM makes the quad-core just scream. In fact, um, uh, Digloid at Mac Performance Guide did a uh, nice uh, review on that. It's a long URL, so all I would say is check macperformanceguide.com and look for his MacBook protests. Or check uh, blog.maxsales.com for this episode, and the link will be there. Ah, there you go. Hey, this was kind of a cool one, and when I came across, and it was a it was a fast product introduction, but I guess there isn't much to it. Um, we have a seven piece toolkit for the iPhone, and people are like, "Well, yeah, so what?" So I'm going to turn this over to Mike H because he was really like, "This was really cool." You actually get a guitar pick with this toolkit, which always throws people off a little bit. Yeah, because uh, people do use a guitar pick sometimes to open up their iPhone as well, or they could use the spudgers that come with it. It, um, it comes with a pentalobe driver and a Phillips screw head driver, too. Uh, the big thing is Apple's been replacing out the uh, Phillips screws at the bottom of their iPhone 4s with these new proprietary pentalobe-based uh, screw heads, if you will. So you could actually, and we our uh, little toolkit also comes with uh, two Phillips screwdrivers. So if yours actually has, been repl- has had the screws replaced or came with pentalobe screws and for some reason you want to go inside your iPhone at any time, you can actually replace them out for the Phillips screws too and just put those at the bottom. Yeah, bottom, bottom line is, is that you're not locked out. And, and Apple, it, it, it may be a harsh assessment, but Apple's kind of trying to lock you out of getting inside it. And yeah, so- iPhone liberation! <laughs> well, the iPhone 4 is easier to get in than all the other phones were in the past. They were all like iPod touches, which if you've opened one up, can be a little uh, hard. Yeah. <laughs> Not the most fun experience, especially if you break one like I recently did. But um, it's a little easier. The iPhone 4 slides out so you can replace out the back or whatever. And uh, I guess Apple just changed their mind on letting people do it. What's odd is that's one of the things when all the Gizmodo leaked pictures of iPhone 4 came out, I thought they were false just because it had Phillips screws on it. Mm. Like Apple doesn't show screws on their thing. And even if they had screws, it wouldn't be Phillips. And I just don't know why they did it. Maybe someone at Apple liked the look of a Phillips screw head. How that got past Jobs, I have no yep. idea. Yep. Okay, so our enthusiasm about this is kind of like glossed over a couple of the, the key salient, like that word, salient points here. It comes with both uh, screwdrivers, pentalobe and Phillips. So whatever, and spudgers. Uh, and spudgers. So, and, and a, a screen pick. pull of the plectum. And a screen puller. It's a little suction cup, but it's the two oh, screwdrivers. Oh, I forgot the screen puller. Yes, I forgot the little screen puller. It's, it's the two screwdrivers that are really the the money in this, meaning that or the value in this, in mm. that regardless of what screws your iPhone has, mm. you can get into it. And then we do include two replacement 
Phillips screws with, of course, the blue Loctite on it, so it's right. like OEM factory, so that it seals it. You'll nice have easier access in the future. You yeah. don't have to worry about the penelopes. In fact, all the Verizon ones do have the penelopes. So all That's you new right. Verizon people out there, if you want to get into your iPhone for some reason, uh, there better be a good reason for it, though. You just don't want to open them up and break them by accident. These things are expensive out of plan. You know, you yeah. bought one for two hundred in plan, but out of plan, these things are like six or seven hundred dollars to replace. It's, Kids, when you drop Dad's yeah. iPhone into the toilet, don't take it out and try and open it up, thinking that you'll dry it out. But for those that are after the screwdriver spudgers, guitar pick, pluck them, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna work that word into every podcast yeah. from now on. It's a really cool toolkit, and it's really aggressively priced. And um, last note on it. The uh, drivers are magnetized and will, okay, have you tried playing with those little screws yeah. on an iPhone 4? Yeah. I was You're... thankful they were magnetized when I was doing the product shots for it. I tried it out, pulled it out. I'm like, holy cow, these screws are really tiny. This thing better be magnetized. I'm really close to the table. I'm like, ah, magnetized. Yeah, I took the, it's the little things off. Yeah. So not only are they affordably priced, but they're also magnetized to work e- to easily work with you. So yeah, And that's, you know, a good point. It, it is the little things, and that's why we're kind of belaboring this a little bit in that when you want something done right and thorough, look to us to create that product for you because we're not just going to throw something together and say, you know, call it, call it a day. We're going to really think it out to every aspect so that it gives you a factory-like uh, install, upgrade, whatever, uh, however you want to phrase it. Well, and you'll know if you, if you need them or not, too. I mean, you'll be, there'll be readers and li- or listeners out there like, you're really telling me about a seven-piece toolkit. Give me a break, guys. But, I mean, we had this in our e-blast, and Jeez, it was really successful. Twitter activity yeah. on it. It exploded. People were crazy about this. So if you need one or you know someone who needs it, check it out. Seven-piece toolkit for iPhone. For iPhone 4, actually. Yeah, yeah, I should say. Um, the last one's kind of a, a little bit of a, a self-promotion, but it's something that we're kind of proud about. And uh, OWC Mike P here is uh, more of our man behind the curtain on YouTube, so I'm going to let him tell you. Who big... that bell? <laughs> I'm going to let him tell you about uh, our news with you, our YouTube channel. Well, there, there's not much to say, but uh, in the in the last uh, month here, we have broken our one million uh, views mark. Wait. And that's with YouTube alone. That does not include uh, viewings on our website where you can find all of our, our videos under our tech center or our, uh, our iTunes uh, library account where you can find most of our, our videos uh, up there. Now on um, YouTube, I and mean, when we say our videos, I think the other than like the uh, the road to CES where we, we won some sort of CES award for that video, but... Mostly all the videos on our YouTube channel are just the installation videos, the how-to guides. Uh, either the installation videos or we also do put up uh, all of our, our benchmark testing videos there where we ah. uh, pit one, uh, oh, the SSD one machine against, mm. uh, against another okay. and show how fast it is with an SSD in it uh, versus Apple stock or how much memory is in it versus Apple stock. Well, and or, those videos you can find online too. Like in the, like within the SSD pages, we'll link over to them and show the YouTube video on our page. But Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if I, if I recall, um, I haven't looked at the views in a long time. Too busy creating content like this podcast. Um, it, if I recall, the uh, Mac Mini videos tended to be the real popular ones, at least as far as like total number of views. And but last that... I checked, uh, they they still are. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Those Mac Minis are fun to crack into. Yep, and you don't even need to pluck them. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you need a putty knife. Well, <laughs> or a spatula. Yeah, not the new ones though. Well, the videos are on the old ones. Uh-huh. They have the uh, well, the hits. They should have. Uh, well, we should have. We should have the. You know what? I'm gonna. Good note. I'm going to have to check to see if we have the new one out because once we get a new machine in, we have a formal process here at OWC. When we get new machines in, they get absconded by the marketing and graphics departments here. Photos, video, to where photos, photos, video. photos, videos, benchmarking, stat. And it's just, uh, it's, it, I often joke that when Apple actually announces new machines, at least me, I kind of cringe a little bit because it's like, okay, now we're so underwater, it's not even funny because yeah. we know you guys are all wanting these things and we know that we got to get them up tomorrow, but you can only do so much with so many aspects of it in 12 to 24 hours. At so. the level of quality we're targeting too yeah, for you exactly. all out there. Yeah. All right, well, unfinished business and... Um, 
there may be a better way to bring in EPUBs on your iPhone or your iPad. This was, no, there's not. This was kind of a funny, uh, a funny topic. But if you're regular listeners, uh, and, and as you would note, OWC Chris is not here on this podcast. Uh, we kind of had a chuckle why. at him copying his hard-covered books and then transferring them to his iPhone. So um, don't We all said he had way too much time, but then we got an email or a comment from somebody. And it wasn't a young lady, which I encouraged to email Chris so that he wouldn't be doing this double work. <laughs> not that she would be doing the work, that he would be distracted, perhaps. Well, I'm not touching that one. Somebody had a lot of information on how to actually really bring a lot of books in digitally to your uh for your ipad or iphone or whatever you want to read off of i i really thank the person for uh sending in that comment that if you're really into certain books that you know aren't available anywhere because let's face it all the ebooks out there that are for sale they're not the entire libraries that are out there right so if people are really trying to figure out some way of getting their books or the library over digitally i mean i could definitely see where people go well how do i make this happen especially people in academia where it might be such a short published run that no one's interested but it's very important information for that university or for that person themselves so i mean it was a really thorough process step by step you know thousand dollar equipment to do it you know at what point for me i would just go buy a book but i can understand the other perspective of this book's not available it has to if i want it more convenient for students or myself, how do I make it so? And someone else out there breathes the same air Chris breathes and wants to have the need to do this. Yeah, so. you know, Basic cool. is you unbind the books, scan it into a text file um, using a, a flatbed scanner or a scanning machine, which is where they're getting that thousand uh, dollar mm -hmm. uh, machine in there. Then bring up an editor that would be able to uh, format it into your your EPUB, and then he went into how to rebind. Rebind books. I mean, he's got it thought out. I mean, I, yeah. Give, yeah. give give the uh, the. I think it was in our blog. Give the blog uh, follower uh, some definite credit there. I guess you know, for me. And thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have never thought otherwise. Yeah. You know, maybe there's there's more people out there that you know this is uh, a need for them. I guess my life is just so busy that you know I I, I like the romance of a hard covered book, and when I'm going to read that at home or like on the porch or something, and I put a you know a page holder in there, and I look at that book. Then it reminds me I need to come back to that, and that's to me a bookmark. The, the well, a bookmark. Yeah, I know. What, what, okay, <laughs> What's a bookmark for, in your for those of you browser? young. <laughs> for no, those of you bookmark. young listeners, it was a paper thing you stuck in between sheets of paper. I would love to ask young people, "What's a bookmark?" <laughs> that's it's in my web browser. <laughs> it's a bookmark. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Book mark. Bookmark. But I mean, uh, you know, if you want to take that classic uh, mobile, then I guess it, it does make sense. So, you know, I well, guess yeah, you have a lot of convenience with having yeah. it digital or whatever, or, get, or be able to send it around. It, it might be your own it. book. You know, if it's yeah. if it's if it's not available, then yeah, it makes sense. I guess if it's available, um, geez, for the time, I would just buy it. I mean, that's well, and I know in the in the print industry, um, data gets shuffled around a lot. There might not be a digital version of a book. It might have been printed, but it's just scanned and printed. So what you see is really the only version you have. And if you want to try to save those works for later. So while I thumb my nose at Chris the first time, you know, the commenter and the, you know, it kind of brings you back and go, well, maybe there's something to this. But, you know, maybe not for, you know, I found a book I really like. I could buy it digital. I'm going to scan it anyway. I would just buy it digital and save myself some time. Or I would just say, I'll just read this one as a book. I already spent my money on it and I'm done. You know, that's more me, me being more frugal and cheap. But for people that were these these works of uh, literature, just need some type of conversion for posterity to actually be able to save them. Maybe the paper is getting old. Mm, so good point. Yeah. Well, another uh, homage to Chris then, uh, since he's not here, and I think he actually uh, for for listeners we we share ideas throughout the month on what we should have for content for the podcast, and I think this was actually uh, Chris's in that uh, <laughs> Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace returns to theaters in 3D Ugh. on <laughs> on February twelfth. 2012. I, I don't know if there's something with 12 and 12 there that's of significance for this date, but um, obviously marketing a, a full, <laughs> two 12 12. Yeah, a, a full year from from now. But um, boy, um, since Chris isn't here, I'll, I'll give him his voice. Um, 
<laughs> I'm sure we could come up with a bunch of bad I- on, on reasons why this will be terrible, but here's just a few of OWC Chris's on this. This just gives it one more dimension in which to really not be good. I'll, I'll take out the words that he had there. Uh, a 3D Jar Jar Binks may just be enough to usher in the apocalypse. Now that I think yep. is the is the winner. And then 3D as a whole just needs to go away. Well, there's there's Chris's. You well, know, he, uh, he brings up the 3D debate there, but really uh, there is no debate. The, the podcasting race has got to be awesome in 3D. No. Ooh, you know? No. Oh wait. Well, that's that's why Lucas like well a lot of this stuff. Will look great in 3D because but the of these is things. But it's not shot. In, well, of course, it's all CG anyway. So. It's CG, so he has the original files. He can go back, re-render, yeah. blah blah blah, do whatever. But a lot of the other things will be like tricks of the trade, cardboard cutout 3D, maybe. But this is George Lucas we're talking about. But these movies, they were, let's go back to like the first three had a lot of great parts in them, or the first new three, the original three were the right, best right. in the world, blah blah blah. But the original, the new three. Have a lot of great parts and ideas. They're just implemented so terribly. They're just bad movies to begin with, and to throw 3D on top of it. I mean, everybody wants a Magnum gun for Jar Jar Binks. I mean, they want him removed and out of there. You even have fans who just go so far as to edit all the parts he speaks out of the movie, and <laughs> and the movie becomes better. Wow. And um, how George Lucas doesn't get for racial stereotypes on it, I don't know, but probably because let the actors go with it and the actors create these things. So, but. There's all these odd, cheesy little stereotypes that I don't like and caricatures of races that, eh. But going to the movie, 3D, no. I mean, 3D's having its own troubles now being adopted at the home. 3D sales are dead, so why come out in 3D? But I'm just wondering if you have a better sentiment than a 3D Jar Jar Binks will usher in the apocalypse. Yes, <laughs> it will. George Lucas is looking to do a money grab here. Ooh. He's going he's gonna to do 3D movies each year for all six. So in 2018, we'll finally be done with this debacle. Oh. I figure by 2017 we'll be we done should... with the 3D debacle, and then he'll only have half his movies out in 3D, and then people won't care. It's just 3D is just one of those things. People aren't buying it. Or in 2017, we get Leia in a gold bikini in 3D. Shame on you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you bring up Shame a good point, you. because when I took the kids to see um, the last Narnia one, um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I think it was, or Prince Caspian. I haven't and, seen that one yet. And, and I read... Because it was like double the price to go see it in 3D at a theater. It was and, in 3D, okay. And and I read that the reviews said, don't waste your money because they applied 3D after it was shot. And that's yeah. what I was saying. After so, it shot, so it there wasn't, more card you know, yeah. in, in some CG areas, yes, but there was still some live footage. And then they were trying to apply right. 3D to that. And it's it was grainy, fuzzy, terrible. We went and saw the normal version, and I just get so caught up in the story right. that I didn't need all the effects. That if you and they said it was distracting, screen, actually. Yeah, the 3D can be distracting, and like, uh, like with Avatar, 3D forces you. Any actually with any 3D movie, but especially like with special effects movies like Avatar, when you want to look around at different stuff because there's a lot of detail, 3D forces you to look at certain things and makes other things blurry. So you can't look at that. Oh, wow, that moon looks really cool in this shot because you're you're done looking over here. You can't glance around and look at everything else because the 3D is going. Look over here. Look over here. And over here is a lot of focus for you. So I'm not a huge fan and proponent of 3D just because I think a really big big screen with great sound can suck you in. The the thing that's probably going to hurt for Lucas is he's coming out with the Blu-ray versions of these movies, normal 2D in fall. I'll be sure and buy all of them, even though I don't like the original three so much. The new three so much. There's a lot of parts I do like to watch, and they're great home theater show-offs, you know, demo demo uh, discs. So you're gonna get a lot of people buy them on Blu-ray, and then they're not gonna go to the movie theater to see it in 3D because like, so you know, you're gonna get the Uber fans. Yeah, yeah, they'll go out and see it. I'm gonna pass on the 3D myself because it will be the apocalypse coming in because of 3G 3D Jar Jar, according to Chris. <laughs> Okay, so we've hit that nail in the coffin. You guys got anything on it? The coffin. I, you know, I, I, I've seen the the big glasses. I've seen the hype about 3D in the home, and that you know one person can basically watch it. Um, Two people can buy it. You know, um, 3D, no one's buying it. In 3D the home. slasher movies, I think, would be you know a blast. I remember some of those, like uh, Freddy or Jason, or you know, one of the psychos. How bad do you want like you know, teenage nightmares to be? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was always funny just going to the theater and just hearing the girls just freak out. Yeah. You see, like, this blade coming out yeah. of the screen, and you feel like it's going to take your head off. Just, or, it, although Jaws in 3D, bad, bad move, man. That was just not good. Well, I just got to tie in the video game industry, because if you, if you play video games with how great the graphics are now on a really monster screen with monster sound, 
even without 3D glasses, it brings you in so much. The games are so well done. You can get flashbacks from the games. Wow. So if you're giving people flashbacks from like a Freddy movie, they're just going to flip out. He's <laughs> <laughs> coming to get me! Ma! Ma! <laughs> you know, whoa. I don't know about flashbacks, but we happened to be in Florida in the ocean uh, for a family vacation when Jaws broke, and I thought that my father was going to punch out the movie manager because they didn't say what it was about. He's like, how dare you show a movie about a shark killing people in the ocean when the ocean's just right across the street? Oh, man. So, yeah. I'd, I'd swim next to the fins next to me. Like, ah, the ocean's great. Hi, Mr. Shark. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You should have been there. The be- the beaches were empty, brother. Let me nah, tell you. People... That, that movie was so fake looking to me even when it first came out. No, no, not the out. 3D one. The, the first no, the one. The real Oh, don't Jaws. get me started. That movie rocked. Come on. It was suspenseful, but, I mean, I'm out in the ocean. My wife's like, oh, you know, there's sharks out there this year. I'm like, yeah. I'm just swimming. <laughs> well, you have to swim with them sometime. We can get into that in another podcast. Yeah. My episodes of Deep Water Diving with Sharks. You've been listening to OWC Radio, the official podcast of Otherworld Computing. Have a question about something discussed or looking for the links to the articles referenced in this episode? Please stop by the Otherworld Computing blog at blog.maxsales.com for links or to leave a public comment. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at maxsales.com and we'd be happy to share your comments and contributions on an upcoming episode. Been listening for a while and like what you hear? Let us know by taking a moment to rate or leave a comment on the OWC radio channel on iTunes. Get up-to-the-minute information on the happenings and goings-on at OWC by following us on either of our Twitter feeds, at MaxSales or at OWC Radio. Or become a fan on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash OWC MaxSales. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.